0: Rooster Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Rooster Tail Talk. It is August 30th, 2022, and this is episode 96. For today's episode, I got a chance to talk with Bill Osborne long-time Hydroplane fan, enthusiast, and most of all, photographer. I love chatting with people from all sides, aspects, and corners of this great sport of Hydroplane racing, and photography is one I haven't had a chance to talk much with yet. Bill has a lot of great stories as he grew up in the Seattle area in the 1950s and saw the emergence of Hydroplane racing in the big scene. He has been around some of the greats around the sport. He has some amazing and fantastic tales to share, which he will in our interviews. I talked with him via Zoom for quite some time, so for this interview, I'm going to separate it into three parts. For part one today, we're going to talk about his love and the passion of hydroplane racing and how that started for him. We'll talk about the beginnings of his adventure in photography of hydroplane racing, some hydroplane favorites, as well as stories behind his favorite hydroplane photos. All right, joining me today is a famous hydroplane photographer, Bill Osborne. Bill, how are you doing today?
1: Doing well, David. How are you?
0: I'm doing well as well. Just have been enjoying a nice summer here. Getting ready to get back into uh, my daytime job here pretty soon. So <laughs> but I'm glad to talk with you. It's been fun seeing you at the races this year. And I know you've been a longtime supporter and been around hydroplane racing for many years. So like, look forward to hearing some stories from you, but before we get into kind of the details of photography, cause I have some, some questions, I'm burning questions for uh, my mind on, on photography. I know you grew up in the Seattle area back in the 1950s. And I'm just curious what influence did hydroplane racing have on you as a young kid in the, in the Pacific Northwest and how, and I know you have a passion for it and how did this start?
1: Well, in as growing up as a kid, we didn't have the Seahawks. We didn't have the Mariners. We didn't have professional basketball. We had hydroplanes and we had the Huskies. And that was it. And S- Seattle Seafair was was just the hugest thing in, in the city each year. And I lived on Vashon Island. And I could hear from, from my home on Quartermaster Harbor, I could hear the boats run. Wow. So what I would do is I would... I if I was playing down at the beach, I'd run up to the house, turn on channels four five or seven, didn't matter which one. And the line was always the same. We're going live and direct to Lake Washington to cover a test run of the Miss Thriftway or the Miss Wahoo or the Miss Bardall. And so all these test sessions and, and qualifying and testing in the 50s began on Monday, Monday morning at nine o'clock. Wow. And they ran all week long. <laughs> And so as, as a kid, we watched, watched, this and think, boy, this is really pretty cool because it was, it was the deal in the in the Northwest. And as, and we'll we'll discuss him more later, but my mother took me from Vashon Island to Mercer Island when I was eight years old. And she was doing some errands, and we went by a Thriftway grocery store, and here was Miss Thriftway sitting in the parking lot. And I pointed that out to her and, and just, oh my gosh. And I, I was shocked at how big it, the boats were. So we pulled up, walked over to the boat and Bill Muncy walked up to my mother and I was eight years old and I was terribly shy. And he said, would your son like to sit in the cockpit of the Miss First And I <laughs> nodded my head. He picked me up, put me in the cockpit, put my hands on the steering wheel and then explained to me what the gauges were, which you know, at eight years old didn't make a lot of sense. Why, why do we need to worry about manifold pressure? I didn't even know what that was. But he took the time to do that. And so Bill Mumsey, we if you lived in Seattle in 1955, you had two favorite boats. You had slow motion four and you had slow motion five, and nobody else counted. Well, I came home after my trip to Seattle or to Mercer Island and said, my, I've got a favorite. And this is Bill Muncy guy with this Miss Thriftway. No, you can't, you got, you got to cheer for the slow-mos because they're Seattle. And I thought, well, Thriftway was my, my boat and Muncy became my guy. And in the first chapter of my book, I wrote in there, the first chapter is called blame it on Bill. And if it hadn't been for Bill Muncy putting me in the cockpit in 1955, none of what happened in the next uh more than half century would have taken
0: place yeah definitely that's a big impression as a kid to go through that
1: well and and i you know my son was was uh, mistreated by um, randy johnson of the mariners and he was so angry about that that he said i don't want to have anything to do with baseball and 30 years later he still doesn't wow And so when i think of how bill took the time put this little kid in the boat and put my hands on the wheel and do it. He didn't have to do that. But what I found out later was boat racing was his passion. And he just wanted everybody to like it as much as he did. So um, he put me in the boat. And then as I grew older, I wanted to get pictures of boats. And the main reason that I started doing photography was to get pictures of boats. And I didn't, care about at that t- initially about anything else i just wanted pictures of the hydroplanes <laughs> and uh, that's i didn't take classes i did get i did get a lot of help from two people from bob carver who was into actually rich armbrick i'm going to back rich armbrick and doug schultz and a few others of us started in 1965 we started a club called unlimited unanimous okay and rich had been rich had been to Detroit and other places, and I thought boy this this guy is really cool and then I met Bob Carver who said, "You know I'll help you as long as you do what I tell you to do and follow my instruction if you don't, then we're done and he was <laughs> bob was Bob was a very generous and giving person, but he also He's pretty strict. I mean, you, you you do do things his way, and I learned from those two people. One of the things that I learned was from Bob, was if the picture's not good enough to put on your wall, don't let anybody see it. Rip it up and throw it away. Wow. And and it used to, it drives my wife even to this day nuts that I'll take a picture, and she'll say, Well, this looks good, and I said, No, it's got a flaw in it. The color balance is off, or or something's off. It's it's not straight, or the it's not cropped properly, and I delete it, throw it away in, and that, that's what got me into photography, was to try to get pictures of boats, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Rich was very, Rich had a, a great eye for action, I learned later, when I was doing the update on my book, was that I learned that one of the reasons why some of the times Rich's pictures would get out of focus is that when something happened, he was good at catching the action, but he got real nervous and got excited. <laughs> and, and so he, he couldn't remain calm if a boat was spinning out or flipping, he'd, he'd start to shake because he was concerned about, and that with good reason, the safety of the drivers in the 1960s, as you know, was uh, it was a dangerous allocation. Oh, yeah. of
0: the, completely different than today yeah yeah so
1: you know i i developed into and one of the things that carver told me he said i have i have my trademark image is sitting in a boat and having thriftway hawaii kai bardall go around me while i'm parked you know in a boat and i take these pictures from the inside the flying wahoo shot was that type of angle he was in he was inside the course and the boat came off the turn and back then he was using a speed graphic the camera you would click once then you would pull a slide into the four by five film holder pull the film holder out put the film reverse the film holder pull a slide out and you're ready to take the second picture so there's no motor drive so that like that flying wahoo shot was one shot that's all he got. Man. And so he taught me to three, three things that he taught me were one, be, become aware of the race course and find the worst place on the race course that boats are not, not going to be happy. Second thing is, is, find the idiosyncrasies of the boat and where's that boat not going to be happy and the third one of course is the driver where's the driver not going to be comfortable and, and we would go to limited races like to lake Sammamish or green lake and i would think oh i'm, I'm going to go here and he said nope gotta to go to the other end of the race course that's where it's going to happen wow and 98 percent of the time he was right i learned that to be more precise with with the photography and also not not to uh Worry so much about trying to take 30 pictures at once because we didn't have that option. I didn't have a motor drive camera back then. Yeah. And so that's how all of this evolved.
0: Well, there's, it sounds like there's a lot of planning and, and preparation and strategy in, in taking your photos.
1: And one of the things that I learned from Rich was that Rich taught me how to, his love for nature photography and landscape. And so what I learned from the landscape photography is, is the art art form of a picture, which I was uh, trying to apply to to the boat pictures that I take today. And from the boat racing, what I learned for the landscape was that is that sometimes you need to react quickly and and not dawdle around and, and fiddle with it. You just need to take take the image and get it capture the moment. Right.
0: Well, you talk about taking landscaping photos and some different types of photos. Is is taking photos of hydroplanes harder than doing that of, of nature photos, uh, other sports?
1: Well, to to give you an example, and I've I've done I worked with a friend of mine. We did the Daytona five hundred. We did the Indy five hundred. Did some other NASCAR events and other Indy car races. You go to you go go to a, a car race track, And like one year, I was set up in the in turn four at Daytona. That that was my spot. I wait for the cars to come through. They come through in the same groove. If 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 they're unless they're running three wide, but if they're running by themselves, they run the same groove. So you know where the car is going to be. And most of the time, the car is not going to do anything silly. They're just going to go past you, and you you try to get light and composition and focus. The problem with the boat racing is that is that these guys go out and they run and they never run the same place twice. <laughs> the other thing is that is it, is it, at Daytona, I was using like a 70 to 200 in, in turn four. And in Seattle, you know, it, the race course is so far away that I have to use, like I rent, have to rent time on the Hubble telescope. Yeah, and, you know, because the boats are far away. So you're using right. longer glass, which is more critical... Everything, everything gets more difficult the longer the glass, the yeah. more communication. So with, with that in mind, like I said, what Carver wanted me to do was to, to develop a, a trademark. So my initial trademark shot was the Owensboro Bridge overhead. And my, my goal was to get the boat directly under me. And, and so there's no what's called parallax, where the things that, like it's a little off-axis and what I learned to do was I would stand on the bridge, watch the boat run, and I would move until the last second to try to get myself in position to get the overhead. Because you 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 take a spot, take the picture, then the next time out the boat's running in a different line. And the only there's only been one driver ever to to run the same line three times in a row. That was Bill Muncie, and. We did a, a shot in 1978, which was, it was used by uh, Penzo wanted to buy it for their, they were going to use it in the Sports Illustrated year-end edition, the year in sports, and also oh. in Look Magazine and a couple other publications. And they were, they were very clear. They said, we want an overhead picture of the boat. And they looked at some of my other pictures and they said, we want one that's, as the guy call it, it's like straight down the pipe. We want, we don't want it off axis. We want it because that's how and we need a certain amount of room around it so we can put our graphics. So I talked to Bill and I said, we need to do this at about two o'clock in the afternoon at Owensboro. And that's when the light would be just what I think would be perfect. And Bill said, okay, we'll do it. And he went out and he ran a lap and I I got lined up on him. Second lap, I said, he's going to come in the same spot. He ran in the same spot <laughs> third time around. And he And I'm not faulting the other drivers because it's so hard, especially with today's boats that move around a lot. It's hard to to get. I know when I was trying to get Dave Vilwak an overhead shot of of our boat this year from the Madison Bridge. And I moved, I moved, and there was one other guy up in the bridge and said, why do you keep moving? I said, well, because I'm trying to get it lined up. And of course, Dave can't see that I'm moving and he's, he's just driving where, where the boat wants to go at the fastest point. And fortunately I was able to get it. The bad news was as soon as I took that picture, like 10 seconds later, I heard the sound where we hit the log and we were done for the day. (laughs) Gosh. So uh, yeah, that
0: was, that was a bad weekend.
1: (laughs) But so so that, that, and then, then what I tried to do is that I, I sold I sold a picture to Powerboat Magazine, and it was of the U95 overhead shot, and they wanted they wanted a, a right down the pipe shot of the U95, and, and it worked, and so a few years later, the next year, they said, well, we want to do another picture, but we want something completely different. We don't want a turning shot from Detroit, because we've had other people do that, and we don't want... An overhead shot because we just did that so we need to do something different i said well i got an idea why don't i ride in a, in a boat <laughs> and so i i proposed this to dave Harensberger at pan pack and i said they're going to put you on the cover of powerboat magazine and he said well that, that, that'll work he said but i don't want to have anything to do with it call the sarah and, and you and jim work it out." And one of the lessons that I learned fairly early on in life was when I met Jim, I was in Washington, D.C., and I watched people go up to him, and they would say, they'd walk up to the boat, and they'd ask the same question, how fast does the boat go? And, Who's the crew chief? Who's the driver? They were asking what Jim considered inane questions, and Jim just blew them off. He, the crew chief was, he said, the crew chief is Joe Spivich, and he went that way, and he'd point, you know, like the other end of the pit <laughs> area. Jim was just blowing him off. Yeah. So a friend of mine said, you're not going to go up and talk to that guy. He's, he's not a good – he doesn't seem like a good guy. And I said, well, I'm going to try. So I walked up, and he looked, He gives me this look, which I recognized later was the look, like, oh, gosh, do I have to do this? I said, I have a question for you. And he said, yeah. I said, do you have a brother named Ed who taught high school calculus on Vashon Island? He said, yeah, and so we, we talked, and, and he said, were you a basketball player, and I said, yeah, I, I said, I was on the JV when he was, he was our JV coach, and we talked about the head basketball coach, which neither one of us liked, and Ed didn't like him, and so we, we spent like 20 minutes up on the boat, never did the, never did the, the, the uh, conversation about boat racing come up, all it was was about high school basketball and his brother, and I came back off the boat and the people went, I can't believe you talked to that guy for like 20 minutes. I said, well, and what I learned was it's really important in life to establish some common ground,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which we did. And so Jim realized that I wasn't just going to come up and ask him how fast the boat goes. And so we 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 set up to do the Paying back Ride shot. We were going to do it in uh, Phoenix. And then... I got down there and I was on a really limited budget. And Jim said, we can't do it. I said, but I've rented this lens and we've got to do it for Powerboat. And he said, we can't do it here. We can do it next week in San Diego. And I thought, I, I can't afford an airline ticket. And Powerboat wasn't going to pay me enough to do that. I can't afford an airline ticket to go to San Diego. So yeah. I went to Bill Cantrell, who was driving. He and Graham he Bill didn't like to fly. He wouldn't fly back then. That's right. So I I asked Bill, I said, is there any chance that I could hitch a ride with you and Graham? And one of the regrets of my life is that I didn't have a tape recorder with me because (laughs) I had like eight to 10 hours of Bill Cantrell stories from Phoenix to, and turned out like the nicest guy you'd ever want to meet. Wow. So we got, we got to, got to San Diego and we set up to do the picture and Jim said, we're doing it Friday morning. First thing, I wanna get it done. I don't wanna be dealing with this on Saturday and Sunday. And I said, that's fine. So I got on the boat and I, I knew George Henley but didn't know him well, but, it, but George is a really nice guy. and So George said, how fast do you wanna go? And I said, I think about 140 would be fast enough, but will be clean that there won't be any uh, distracting side spray coming off the sponsors. And then, uh, and how many laps do you want to go? And I thought, let's see, I'm writing in the Gold Cup champion, the national champion. I, like, I wanted to say how much fuel do you have? But I said, oh, I don't know, five or six laps ought to do it. Well, the reality is with 36 shots, I was done in one straightaway. So, and and the, other, the other four or five laps were just me having fun. So we, we, we got done with the picture. And I had rented this lens. I put the lens cap back on, and I came back into the... Oh, George pointed at the, at the the down at the gauge. I'm standing behind him and slightly to his left, so I can't read the gauges. And George starts pointing at a gauge, which I don't know what it is, where the oil pressure had dropped. So he dropped oh. it down about 70, 80 miles an hour, and we just idled back to the pit area. And he, he turned and said, I'm sorry, we had to quit, but oil pressure was dropping a would have killed both of us. <laughs> if, if we've broken an engine and i said yeah probably so but the, the picture turned out then
0: did you ever get a picture of you like in the boat i
1: did i did i actually turned around and, and, it, it, and i put it in the book there i actually turned around and took a selfie of yeah. me riding with george okay so i sat down and got and, and most of the time i didn't do that when when i was riding in the boat just because i'm concentrating on and i didn't also want to waste Yeah. You know, I only got 30, I only have 36 shots, so I don't want to waste anything. Right. right. So we, we, we did that and uh, Powerboat liked it. It's, the, it's, the, it's a featured shot at the museum that Heronsberger wanted to when they did the photo library that he did. So the picture turned out and then four years later, they contacted me again, said, we want to do another hydroplane unlimited cover, but we want something different and i said well i've got another idea and the other idea is to be in the front of a boat <laughs> and you 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 got one of the questions you said is like what's your most famous right. Photo? right and and the budweiser ride shot turned out to be in the end um, it was printed the last time i counted there was printed in 23 countries in on four continents around the world wow and and it did uh, Financially, it was, it was very good to me. I, I learned what, what Anheuser-Busch corporate is like when they call. And the guy said, We want to use it as our, our picture for, of racing for sports for the year. And he gave me a financial number, which I almost fell off the chair. <laughs> and I was like, Really? And he said, It's a take it or leave a deal. And I tried to be cool. Yeah, I can take that. But uh, so we, before we did the photo, i went to bill muncie and i said bill you know you you could run we could take the 76 atlas boat out of bottom off balls i could sit in the front of the boat because this is 1970 i could sit in the front of the boat yeah. we could run it with your with your name on there and it would be a cool shot and bill said absolutely not he said i'm, really? not, I'm not putting you up there it's way too dangerous he said I don't want to be responsible for something happening to you. He said, Don't bring it up again. I said, Okay, I won't. Wow. So then I went to Bernie showed up at the first test run in 1978 with Ron Snyder as his new driver. And he told Ron, there's no media things. We're just going to run the boat. No pressure on you. Get used to the boat. That's all you have to do. So I went to Bernie and I said, here's my idea for a Powerboat magazine cover. He'd never been on the cover. And he said, nope, we're not going to do it. I said, okay. Well, I said, well, then I guess I will go talk to Muncie. And I remember I'd already been turned down by Muncie. <laughs> so, and he said, well, I don't want Muncie on the or I don't want Muncie on there. So he said, uh, yeah, I, we'll, we'll do it. And I said, okay. So, what I want to do is I'm, I've designed a, a, a harness to hook into the lifting rings. And, and, and I would have to get a, a suit and helmet and I'd like to do with a Miami skyline in the background. He said, Nope, we're doing it right now today. I thought I'm not prepared. I had just purchased a fisheye lens on a Friday and it's on a Monday. I'd never even shot a roll of film to it with this lens. So he, he goes over and tells Snyder, Snyder came over and Ron, Ron's a pretty strong guy. Ron mm-hmm. grabbed me like the scruff of the shirt. He pulled me up and said, what the heck are you doing? And I said, well, we wanted to do this in Miami He said, Bernie promised me no media. And you're going to do what? And I said, Well, this is what we're trying to do for a Powerboat magazine. And and Ron just, and I said, wow. so he said, we can do well, we'll do it. So again, I went out there with four with, with 36 shots to take. I knew that Powerboat Magazine wanted vertical format for them, and then I wanted to get some horizontal images just because. So we sat. I sat in the boat. Things started up, and the, the supercharger—I I, use the term burbled. It, 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 like it backfired, and that that vibration went right through my entire body. And I thought, mm. maybe this isn't such a good idea. But <laughs> but we're pulling out of the pit area, so I'm committed now.
0: Yeah. So are we, you are uh, you kind of straddling the motor, like in an interwell, or are you on the cowling in the front?
1: My 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 feet were in the engine compartment, and, okay. and knees against the engine stringers, and then I was sitting on the nose cowling. Okay, and okay. and looking back at Ron. Well, with the first straightaway that we did, the light was wrong, so all I did was just sat there and watched, and just tried to figure out. Okay, this is, and we were. We were somewhere between 110 and 120 miles an hour. Wow. I'm looking at the ride and thinking, "Yeah, they think, they think this might work. And I'm concentrating, how do I make sure I get this thing straight so that I'm not off axis? Well, going down that straightaway, we hit a roller, and I saw Ron's head snap back and forth right to left. Because I was up front, like in like a, a cab over position, I didn't feel anything. I went, oh, it is smoother up front. I'd heard that rumor that cab overs were smoother up front. So I thought, well, what I'll do is when we turn, we went down to the other end of the race course, we turned and headed the good direction. I'll stand up, which wasn't part of the deal. So I I braced my knees against the stringer, stood up and held the camera over my head. And instead of just holding the shutter down, I would click, click, move, click, click, move, click, click, move. And I was moving to right to left. And of course I don't have any preview or post view like you do in a digital. So I'm just trying to get it lined up as best I could. And I, I shot about half of them horizontally and half of them vertically. And Bernie had told me, he said, when we do this, he said, as soon as you're done, give the chop sign. We're going to stop the boat right in the middle of the lake and we'll come pick you up. And as far as gear to wear, Chip was down there testing the spire shop that day. Uh-huh. And I went to Chip and I said, oh, "I hate to do, it, I hate to ask you this, but is there any chance that I could wear your gear?" And he said, "For what?" And I told him. He said, well, "Under one condition, I want to be out on the boat to watch this." So Chip and Bernie are out on the chase boat, and I went by them. And as soon as we were, as I was out of film, I gave the chop sign, and Ron stopped it. And They came up and picked me up. And that very few times in my life have I ever taken a picture where I thought it. It worked. It was perfect. It was it 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 met or exceeded my wildest expectations, and 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 it did. And so uh, yeah, that that became the 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 the, the picture. Yeah. And then a year later, we we I did a deal, and it was for a, a kid wanted to do a poster for a college class. And he said, I want to do a hydroplane poster because I'm a fan of it. Well, he looked at my pictures and I knew what he wanted, but it, it didn't seem to work. So we set up what was the four-boat overhead from San Diego.
0: Okay. Yeah. And that
1: was that was an image that there was no race. It was, it was, it was Friday afternoon after the course had closed. And the guy who was putting on the race, who was the head of it, Sam Paris said, Well, if you run it at 530, we've got people out in the, in, the, in the pit turn on a boat, and they're paying like 500 to $1,000 a seat to sit in the boat to have dinner. It'd be really cool for them to have some entertainment. <laughs> and the boats go by. So, so he said, I'll help you do whatever I can to get that done. So wow. I sat down with the four drivers, with Muncie, Chenoweth, Chip, and Steve Reynolds. I said, you're the four guys who want. And I assigned the lanes. Bill, you're in lane one. Dean, two. Chip, three. And Reynolds, four. And Reynolds didn't want to do that. I don't want to be. I said, Well, I I know you'll push it hard enough. So because you're going to have to go faster than the other guys to keep up. Oh, I can do that. So the insurance guy said, "You have a 135 mile an hour speed limit. No more than that. I'd prefer that you go under that." So we agreed in 135. So I went I had to I had to get a ride to the airport, then phone to the pit area and say, "Okay, I'm in the helicopter, I'm on my way." And the boats came out, and they it took them a couple laps to line up, but they 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 lined up. They finally did line up. And Bill was supposed to be the pace setter. Bill sets the pace, and everybody's supposed to score up on Bill. So I noticed it seemed like they were going a little faster each time. But what I didn't realize was what, Bernie had told Dean, make sure you're always out in front. So Dean would go 140. Bill has to go 140. Chip has to go 140. Then what's 145, 150. At the very end, Reynolds said, I was using my nitrous halfway down the straightaway. Because I was running. <laughs> and I got back in and the insurance guy just started screaming at me. He said, you violated our, our agreement. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. But um, all I can tell you is that I you you saw me leave. I didn't have any conversation with any of those drivers. So when we finally sorted it all out, I went to Muncie and Bill said every time I looked over, Dean was ahead of me. So then we finally went to Bernie and Bernie said, well, yeah, I I told Dean to be out in front. And then the insurance guy said, you and I are going into the bus and we're having a conversation. That was so that's how that one turned out. And probably another another image that or series that did did well for me was the 2005 Elam flip and and what what I learned what I learned from Carver he said watch and listen to what people are going to do well it was friday morning first first run out of the box and eric and jw myers were, were sitting there we're talking i'm listening and eric said let let Let's let's set a record here today. Let's let's go right out of the box and let's go hot. And J Dub said, Oh, I can do that. So I thought, wow, they're gonna go for it. So I was standing next to the editor of Powerboat magazine, Greg Mansfield, and his, his photographer Tom Newby. I knew what was on the agenda that Eric that Eric told J Dub to light it up. So he did. He crossed the start line. He came out of the, the bell aisle turn and he was running. According to his GPS, when Jez's boat lifted, he was doing 196. Okay. And He tried to bring That's it back him. down, and it didn't come back down. Well, Tom, Tom was taking pictures of a girl's backside in the pit. So he had his back to the flip. And Greg said, Tom, did you get it? And he said, no, I was taking this girl's backside. And I, I was doing work for Extreme Boats magazine, but not at that race. And so Greg said, well, did you get it? And I said, yeah, I did. And what what um, J W used to do is that to me and to Pierce Williams that every time we would be at a race, he would flip us off and then give us a hundred dollar bill for a deposit for pictures for the weekend. <laughs> so and normally when a guy flips, I'll I'll give him time to sort things out, make sure everybody's okay. I, I give him some personal time, then I go over it because we're all friends. Yeah. So I was summoned to the. ABRA trailer and they saw the pictures. We you've got to process these things, get them out to different sites, and I can I can do that. So instead of me going over to visit J 30 minutes after the accident, it was like an hour and 30 minutes. So I walked up and J says, Oh, this is gonna cost me. And I said, Yeah. It <laughs> is. And and that that that's that sequence did was was very good to me.
0: Well, yeah, those are some great iconic shots. I- I think I think my favorite out of those is the 1979 four you know four going on that straightaway together on that poster with the circus bud Atlas and and Squire because as a kid I stared that was on the ceiling of the garage and I stared that at that for a long time so that's definitely yeah, my favorite and,
1: and another favorite was that when one yeah. of my when my all time favorite boat Miss Triftway, was recreated by Vashon Unlimiteds and I went to high school with Larry Fuller. Okay, so they decided to build this boat and they built the boat to honor ted jones because it was the only boat that had ted's name on it right in front right, right below the windshield on the side instead of saying bill muncie it had ted jones on there and bill's name was on the front of the of the cowling which they turned out to not use very often mm-hmm. so they built this boat to honor ted they, they ran the thing and i had told Larry and Steve Compton and Steve Pan said, "I've got a really cool idea for a picture," and of course, it would be like the Panpak ride shot, only riding in the thriftway, and that meant a lot to me because I'm in my all-time favorite boat, the replica of it, and the the picture turned out, you know, really well.
0: Well, that's that's awesome to hear the stories behind those photos because I think a lot of times people take her for granted, like how those photos were taken. And not really knowing kind of the intensity and the backstory and and what you had to go through to get those photos. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know you're probably saying, Oh, I want to hear more. Well, good news. You can next week, Tuesday, 5 a.m. Pacific standard coast time. I will have part two of my interview with Bill Osborne. Bill will go into more stories of this great sport of hydrogen racing, and he'll share some personal accounts with some of the greats and legends around the sport. Don't forget, in the meantime, please like and subscribe us on social media. or on Facebook and Instagram. Check us out online at roostertailtalk.com. There you can find more information about the podcast, join our mailing subscription list, and even donate to the podcast. We are a free podcast for our listeners, but it is the donations that drive and support the show to get great interviews from past and present people around the great sport of hydroplane racing. Well, that's all I have for today. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.